people have been waiting. Generation after generation, they were waiting for the one that God promised he would send. The Messiah, the Christ, the Anointed One. That's the situation for the Jewish people 2,000 years ago. They lived under Roman occupation, as lots of the uh, world did in those days. Their country, run by a foreign power, and they longed especially for this day that God had promised that they would be free when he would send a rescuer. Well, that was the situation as people were gathering in uh, Luke chapter 4. It was church or synagogue day uh, in Jesus' hometown of Nazareth. And um, so as people came through, they, they were all united in this hope. Hope it will be soon that God sends this person to free us. And this particular Sabbath has a bit of excitement in the room because um, local boy, uh, Jesus, Joseph, the local carpenter's son, he's back from his travels, and they can all remember him growing up. He was, he was a really good lad. Obedient to his parents, had the sort of wisdom sort of beyond his years that everyone noticed. And I'm not just improvising and making that up. Uh, Luke records that at the end of chapter 2. But by the beginning of chapter 4, young Jesus has grown up, he's left home, he's begun his ministry, and if you look down to verse 14, uh, after his baptism, uh, I'm sorry, hang on, no, his baptism is uh, earlier on in the chapter, after his baptism he's led out uh, into um, uh, the desert to be tempted, unlike the rest of us, he didn't give in to temptation, ah, and then verse 14, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. So he was, he was causing quite a stir. He was the, people that other people were, he was the person that other people were talking about. Uh, in verse 23, there's a reference to the fact that people in Nazareth, they, they'd heard the stories too about his teaching and his miracles. Local boy, made good, coming back home, it's natural that when it came to synagogue day, it was Jesus who was asked to stand up and read the scriptures and then teach. And as he does, two things are going to come out from what we look at this morning. The, the first is that Jesus declares himself to be God's Messiah, the one that the world has been waiting for, uh, the Jewish people in particular, uh, and with a message of good news. So it's electrifying stuff. Um, Jesus, he leaps through, well, doesn't leap through, scrolls through, unscrolled the scroll, found the bit in Isaiah towards the end where Isaiah writes about this Holy Spirit-filled, Holy Spirit-empowered, anointed one, king, but not king in a palace, but a leader, a king who would serve and save his people. Jesus reads it out, and then verse 20, sits down, which is what a rabbi would do. That's, that's teaching posture, just like standing is for me to uh, speak. The rabbi would sit and teach. And as everyone listened, he said, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now, it's difficult for us to capture it, because we've already heard that Jesus is the Messiah. We're kind of like, yeah, okay, I've already heard that. But they hadn't. It was a total bombshell for them. For someone, I mean, it would be like someone, a guest, well, no, no, one of us, one of us next week came to the front and said, just like to have your attention, everyone, read something from the Bible and said, oh, by the way, that's all about me. 
And we'd be thinking, it's time to listen down. But actually people weren't thinking about Jesus. They were saying, well, what he says sounds, do you see verse 22? Their first reaction, they all spoke well of him. Nice sermon vicar. I mean, he was, there was something about his teaching that, that had them hooked. And they thought, well, okay, it's extraordinary what he's saying, but there's something about it. But then there's a block for them if you look at verse 22. Isn't this Joseph's son, though? Hang on a minute. Remember him growing up. What he said sounded so good, but how could it be? That was their question. It's Jesus, isn't it? He's kind of too familiar for them, too ordinary for them. Isn't this Joseph's son? Now, if... um, you trace through Luke up until this point, he's already told us he's not simply Joseph's son. Uh, He's told us about Jesus' birth, his baptism, his temptations, all of which reveal him to be son of God. Uh, Even as he writes up the family tree, look at the facing page on the the left, and look at right at the end of it, as he writes up the family tree, son of Seth, son of Adam, son of God. Even there he's taking the opportunity to say that this is God doing something that he has promised to do for ages past and now he's doing it in Jesus. He's come. So we've got a head start on the people who heard Jesus but actually our situation is a bit similar to them. Actually it's quite similar to them. See, they'd heard about Jesus but hadn't seen any of the miracles. Well, that's, that's like you and me, isn't it? I haven't seen, we didn't see the miracles. We've heard about them. We've heard about Jesus. We've heard about the teaching. We've heard the explanation that he's God's Messiah with a message of good news. We've heard that, all of us. And the other thing we have in common with them is it looks pretty ordinary. You know, if there were an angel with Hollywood dramatic special effects, well, good, good me, you know, that would be impressive. We'd all... We'd all be talking about it. We'd all be uh, telling others about it. We'd be captivated. But you see, Christianity, believing in Jesus as the saviour of the world, the one that you should put your faith in, I should put my faith in, we've heard that before. Someone told us that when we were kids. But you see, cutting through all this is what Jesus actually says. This message from God's Messiah of good news. And the expectation that Luke has, that Jesus has, is that the message itself is compelling enough, is right enough, is true for you and for me and for the world enough, that we will know that this is the message we should trust and this is the one we should trust. Uh, look at the, what it, 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 some of the detail we go into, verses 18 and 19. It talks about the poor, the prisoners, the blind, the oppressed. And I guess for the people that Jesus was speaking to living under the Roman Empire, they're thinking, well, the whole nation that applies to, doesn't it? And actually, when we delve beyond the physical into the spirit realm, actually it's it's every human being. Because of sin, because of the way we get enslaved by sin, we we, we lose our freedom, we we get oppressed by it. Uh, When we try and change, we find we can't. And so actually we're all poor, We're all blind, we're all prisoners, we're all oppressed, if only we'll admit it, whether our circumstances are financially poor or financially rich. And that is why Jesus' message is such good news, because it's about actual freedom from this being locked into sin, 
It's about seeing things, the things of God. Actually seeing ourselves right, seeing the world right, seeing where we've been blind before. And as we read Luke's Gospel and and access Jesus' teaching and put our faith in him and start to build on that, then we will start to see and we will start to know a freedom through him. It's release from captivity to things that bind us, both spiritually and physically. It's living each day knowing the favour of God. What a security as you approach another week. If you know God, to know actually nothing can take that away. To live under his favour. For that word to be your identity. Wow, what a place to take your identity. I am a person under the favour of God through Jesus Christ. So that's the message. It, it cuts through and it says, come on, that's authentic, it's real. Put your faith in this. And the other thing we have in common with these people in the synagogue is that as those who've heard the message, then we've no choice but to make a choice. Jesus doesn't live, leave them with an option of sitting on the fence. He doesn't leave us either. His message isn't good advice. It's a word from God, from his son. And each of us today, as we hear this afresh, will either pay attention and think, Goodness me, you know, in 2019, I want to really pay attention to Jesus and to what he teaches. I want to understand more. Lord, help me. Help me to know it, understand it, receive it, live with it. That's the response that I'm commending that Jesus wants, he's inviting us into. The other response, though, is to say, oh, okay. Uh, You know, I'm just going to keep that a little bit away from me. I understand, you know, I don't want to kind of reject it forever, but I just don't want that to be my 2019. I don't want it to be too affecting in my life. Which am I this morning? Which are you this morning? Are we walking into this freedom and this release that the Son of God promises us simply because we trust him? Or are we saying, oh, well, it's, it's a it's pretty ordinary, is it? It's, pretty, it's kind of familiar. I want to have something novel in my life in 2019. Or maybe we're stuck with the idea of Jesus, the baby at Christmas time. And haven't really yet thought through what happened 30 years later when he grew up and began to teach. What was his message? How does it impact into my Wednesday, my life? There are all sorts of things in the modern world, aren't they? Practical things that we can do to access this message. Um, If you didn't get the uh, handout last week, there's a couple of spares at the back of uh, a list Andrew made of um, some really good resources. The most obvious thing is to keep tuning in at church, to come to church thinking, okay, I want to know a little bit more this week because we'll be doing a little bit more of Luke each each week. Uh, Life group, we're um, structuring it again this term, so it's going to talk about the same bit that we looked at on Sunday on a Tuesday. So that's another way to do it. And there's lots of technical things, aren't there? Um, you can have, you've got a Bible app in your pocket or um, you can listen to a CD or tune into the website or read a book. You can actually read a copy of the Bible. That's a novel idea there as well. Even in this modern world, uh, we can do that. But whatever it is that will help you to keep tuning into this message, we want to do that because Jesus has revealed that he is God's Messiah with a message of good news. So let's be those who receive that and hold on to it and put our trust in it and act on it. Now that's the headline here. But there is a part two. And for me, it 
it's quite a surprise what happens next in Nazareth, in that synagogue. Well, at the end of this little section we read, they're ready to throw him off the, off the cliff that their town's built on and kill him. But the surprise to me is not so much that the crowd turns, that they're fickle. I know what I'm like. And crowds can be particularly fickle. The surprise to me is that Jesus deliberately cranks it up so that he antagonizes the people around him. Notice the, look with you, down to verse 23. He's the first one to uh, put their objection into words. Uh, you'll tell me, do in your own hometown what we heard you uh, did in Capernaum. Physician, heal yourself. And he then starts this teaching about the Old Testament because he wants them to realize that, that Jesus is God's prophet with a message for all. Uh, there's a great danger for these people in Nazareth and for us here today, for anyone who is familiar with talking about the things of God. If you feel like, yeah, that's something I do in my life. Any of us who do that can start thinking, oh yeah, I, you know, I've, I, I used to understand a little bit, now I understand quite a lot. I really kind of, I've got God worked out now. We can easily start to think that. Or we can easily start to think, oh yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I've been in church for however many years you've been in church or synagogue. Yeah, yeah, I'm kind of, you know, I've got loyalty bonuses, you know. I, I've been here, uh, I've been loyal to God, so he sort of, you know, does what I want to do. He's sort of, you see, I, I, I see that danger in me, not least with my job. But I start to think that somehow being a vicar gives me some sort of points with God, which it really, really doesn't. It's a danger for these uh, people in the synagogue in Nazareth. It is a danger for all of us and any of us if we're familiar with God's talk and with church. And so what Jesus does, he uses these two Old Testament examples of God bursting the boundaries beyond what anyone was expecting just to show that God can't be contained. His purposes won't be confined to what you find acceptable or what I think is okay he is saving a multinational, multiracial people for himself, and Jesus is God's prophet with a message for all. Think back, said Jesus, to the Old Testament. Let's look at Elijah. Uh, quick, quick, uh, quick summary. Israel suffering under drought. Actually, not just drought, but famine too. And what does God do? He, he's got this prophet Elijah in Israel, and he sends him across the border into what is now Lebanon. Israel starving, starving. God's prophet goes to Lebanon. Or Elisha, uh, loads of need in Israel, and yet God sends him, sends to him a man called Naaman, who was a Syrian. And the Syrian gets healed. Can you feel a sense of, well, I don't know, the modern equivalent. I, uh, yeah, I don't want to kind of tap into the the xenophobia that is around uh, in the modern context, but you can sense it, can't you? Know? So, uh, ooh, yeah, it's, uh, no, I'm not going to do it. Imagine it in Israel, rather. Okay? Because it's ugly, isn't it? That thinking. Uh, imagine Israel tonight. Uh, 10 o'clock news. God has sent us a prophet. And this prophet is going to proclaim freedom, release, and favor. And it's for the Syrians. It's for the Lebanese. 
It's for the Palestinians. Good news, Jerusalem. It's for all. That's what Jesus is doing. And I think if that was the 10 o'clock news in Israel tonight, there'd be a chance of a, a riot tomorrow morning or that evening. Just as there was when Jesus preached that message. That's what happened. He tapped into the ugliness and the self-centeredness in the human heart and also into the we know best, we know what God's going to do. And so they are ready to throw him off the hillside in verse uh, 29. Yet Jesus walked through the crowd and went on his way. The mob will eventually lynch him on the day he's crucified, but until that time, not a finger is laid on him. The day will come, he will hang there on a cross, in your place and in my place, in the place of a world which deserves to pay for our wrongdoing, but Jesus does it. He does that to bring the freedom, the release, the uh, favour of God that he's promised. And there's lots more in Luke about that. But just as we close, this, this crowd, why did they find it so offensive it wasn't just xenophobia, although it was some of that, I'm sure. Wasn't it, as I thought about this, I, 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 wasn't it that they, they thought they knew what God's Messiah was for? It was to bless Israel. God's Messiah comes and he says, no, I'm here to bless the world. And they really object because, well, we know best, don't we? We know what God should be doing. And I think there's a challenge there when God's purposes for you and me, for the world, are different from what we'd want them to be or what we think they should be. And perhaps the big challenge in our culture is not that the gospel is for all, but the, the, the fact that Jesus is the only one who can bring us back to God. I think that's the big challenge in our culture. That's something that folks struggle with. Uh, to say that a billion Muslims can be wrong. That's a big challenging thing to say in this today's world, but it is what Jesus is implying. He's the one through whom Muslim, Jew, Christian, Baha'i, um, no religion, atheist, he's the one. He brings us all back. He's the one with the message of freedom and favor because he's not just a prophet. He's son of God. But you see, Jesus being that only way back to God, wonderfully, he's, he's the way for everyone. This is the wonderful thing about Jesus. He's the way for the Lebanese, for the Palestinian, for the Israeli, for the British even. And what other nationalities we have here this morning. It's wonderful news. But it challenges our human pride. We're not in charge. God didn't consult us. He didn't have a referendum. Our part is to receive what he's doing. But if we'll do that, if we'll turn away from our pride and say, actually, I number myself among the poor, the, the prisoner, the, the blind, the, the oppressed, because I know what it is to, to sin and to, to not be able to free myself from that. I know what it is to face one day the consequences of that, to face God, even unless I'm forgiven. And when we let go of our pride and admit that, admit that we're poor, then what a joy, what a joy to receive the freedom, the sight, the release, the favor that Jesus brings.
And as we do that this morning, we'll go back out into the week with that sense of, gosh, I have the favour of God on me through Jesus Christ. We'll go out with thankfulness in our hearts to God. He's brought us back to himself. We'll rejoice that God is faithful. He keeps his promises. The Messiah came and he'll come back to make everything right. And we'll also go out with a humble, faith, a humble confidence because this is such good news. We haven't seen an angel this morning, but we have heard the words of God's Son and discovered in him life eternal, life abundant. It's a message for us. It's a message for all. And so we'll go out with a humble confidence to pass it on.